Ho, ho, ho! Happy Beefhead, everyone! Hello, it's me, old Sir Dunstan Hooves, with a message from Mitchells. On the twelfth day of Beefhead, Mitchell sent to me Twelve farmer's trousers, eleven turbo mincers, ten hormone missiles, nine pig muzzles, eight milk injections, seven tranquilizers, six semen silos, five types of meat. Four German farmhands, three angry hens, two milking gloves, and a bag of nutritional sand. A jolly, happy, and festive beefhead day, or Christmas, or Hanukkah, or whatever you might be celebrating, from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back on your heifer-drawn carriage. Hello, and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and a printed magazine, brought to you by Mitchells. Now, the lights, the candied beef festooned from the ceiling, and the general lack of application to admin tasks going on here at Beef and Dairy HQ can only mean one thing. It is, of course... Beefhead season, and you'll no doubt be looking forward to some time off work to eat chocolate sparrows and drink beefhead soup with your friends and families. Many of you already will have taken the kids to sing carols in front of a giant beef statue of Saint Beefhead. Also, thank you for all the beefhead cards we've received this week and the hot soup that many of you have sent in the post. But is the beefhead season just about gifts and overconsumption and rich, rich soup? Historian James Harkham, formerly of the University of Plymouth, says no. This month he released a pamphlet called The Truth About Beefhead Day, which aims to educate readers about what he claims are the true historical origins of Beefhead Day, which he feels have been forgotten. I went to Plymouth to see James and started by asking him why it is important that we know about the true origins of Beefhead Day. I, I mean, I don't want to take away from, uh, you know, the very special Beefhead Day memories and obviously family and, 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 and things like that. I'm sure I, I'm sure it's a, a great pleasure to spend time with uh, family if you have one. Uh, but a lot of people will be having a lot of fun come Beefhead Day and maybe they will forget perhaps some of the more important origins. Because obviously in school, kind of we're, we're taught the background to the other big festivals in the year. So, of course, Christmas, Jesus' birth... Uh, Easter, Jesus' crucifixion, Palm Sunday, which was when Jesus invented the, the high five with, with John the Baptist. Absolutely. Why, is it, why do you think we don't know about the history of Beefhead Day? Why isn't it taught? I think a lot of it is, is embarrassment. I mean, it is at its heart a pagan festival. And again, even the, the kind of the myth of uh, Saint Beefhead and things like that. Christianity looked to co-opt the festival when, it, when in fact it, it, its origins are more tribal, more dark. So I would say more honest. You know, these days on Beefhead Day, we all go to the church, we drink Beefhead soup out of the font. And you're saying that actually the church have co-opted all of these things. The Beefhead soup wasn't originally drunk out of the font? No, 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 absolutely not. No, it, it would have been, I mean, in, in, in Celtic times, this would have been drunk from the, the hollowed out skulls of your enemies. Or if you didn't have any enemies from the hollowed out skulls of your friends. That is something that Christianity, I think, bulked at. 
and so the character of Saint Beefhead was was created. But any devout Christians out there may be surprised to learn, but there was not there was not an apostle of Jesus who in fact had the head of a bull and came to live in Norwich. That didn't happen. That's not true. No. Okay, so if everything we know about Beefhead Day is a, a lie, if, if you want to use those kind of strong words. I would. I you, would use those strong words. Sure. Um, it's a damn bloody lie. Sure. What what really is the basis of Beefhead Day? So Beefhead Day's origins lie very much in uh, an ancient system of justice. The set of rituals that I identify in my pamphlet are what we would expect to find perhaps in, in the time of Chaucer, in medieval village life. So a, a malefactor of some kind, a, a, a villain, uh, a local wide boy. He would be brought up before the lord of the manor uh, for whatever his... Uh, malfeasance was, whether that was punching a pig or taking a woman's wimple, murdering some monks, stealing an onion, these kind of things. And rather than, as we would now, sending this man to jail to rot, they would see him covered in beef, head to toe, stitched onto his body, tied to him, and he would be pushed out, rejected by the community, sent to live wild in the woods for a year. Just to explain when you say stitched on, like a sort of full body, like a wetsuit. Yes. I mean, again, the the, the concept of the wetsuit would have meant nothing to Geoffrey Chaucer. His understanding of water sports was rudimentary at best. There is some limited evidence in uh, in the Knight's Tale, I believe, that he, he had some experience of windsurfing, but nothing more. In this beefhead justice system, the accused would then, in their full-body beef suits and, of course, wearing a beef headdress or mask, the beef head, walk in the woods alone for a full year. At the end of that year, they could then return to the town or village from which they had been exiled. They would come to the very limits, the outer limits of the parish. They would stand on the border, unaccompanied, at midnight, and the villagers come out onto the street burning torches in their hands. From this disorder come forth the two attendants, the attendants that we still recognise today, very familiar on our beefhead cards, and beefhead toys and presents, Oxtail Sam and Sir Dunstan Hooves. These two characters are interesting because obviously, as you say, they play a big part in our current celebrations of Beefhead Day. They're often characters in, in Beefhead films. Often you can go to a local garden centre where someone will be dressed up as, yes. as Oxtail Sam and you can take your kids to go and see him. But I've never actually thought about what it is they're meant to represent. So it sounds as if every village would have their own Oxtail Sam and Sir Dunstan Hooves. Is that right? Would, yes. Would... Um, I mean, it was, it was a great honour. Um, generally, Oxtail Sam would be an honour taken by a different man of the village every year. Uh, Sir Dunstan Hooves was normally passed down father to son. And in, in ancient times, uh, they represented the kind of the duality of beef justice, the friendship, the redemption of... Oxtail Sam, mixed with the punitive punishment of Sir Dunstan Hooves. And this is why they kind of, they have a kind of almost a yin and yang effect in the way that we would traditionally see them. So Oxtail Sam, the lower half of his body would be entirely bovine. He would have the legs of, uh, legs of a cow, the tail of a cow, and his upper body would be entirely naked and tattooed. Whereas Sir Dunstan Hooves would have the upper body 
of a cow. He would be wearing horns and, uh, and often a, a knight's helmet. Uh, and then in later times, a tricorn hat or a feathery embroidered hat. And then, of course, naked from the waist down. Now, that's interesting because the modern version we have of, of, of Oxtail Sam and um, Sir Dunstan Hooves sound very different to that. The modern Oxtail Sam, he's on a skateboard. Normally, he's wearing thin leggings of various neon colours. Jeggings, yes. Yeah, and he's often holding a sort of water pistol. So that's our Oxtail Sam. And then obviously our Sir Dunstan Hooves these days is a kind of kindly old gentleman with, with a moustache and a little waistcoat and a pocket watch. And he's kind of throwing sweets to the children. He's this lovely old grandfatherly yes. figure. Yes, he's a kind of glorious confection of uh, Colonel Sanders, the, the man on the Pringles tube, and uh, and that little fellow on the Monopoly board. And of course, the big difference today is that uh, you can't see his dick. So the two attendants, Oxtel Sam and Sir Dunstan Hooves, come out of the crowd and approach yes, They them. emerge, and it is only they and only they who are permitted to lead the beefhead man across the boundary, back into the village. They process down the main street, through the crowds. Matters are complicated, of course, by the addition of the rich beefhead cream, which has been prepared by the by the villagers. Uh, yes, now you, you actually, in the pamphlet here, you include a recipe for the, yes. be- the beefhead cream. In our modern version of, of, of Beefhead Day, that's just a, a lovely sugary cream that we will yes. eat after our beefhead soup as a kind of dessert. But you're saying that actually the, the beefhead cream was actually central to this ritual and actually was the pivot on which justice uh, was served, literally rested. served. Yeah. Yes. So t- tell us about that. So the beefhead cream, this will have been prepared again by the children of the village with their mothers, a rich mixture of, of, of cream, buttercream, double cream, single cream, all the known creams. The cream would be brought together in troughs and mixed with rich aromatic herbs. Uh, in English villages, tr- traditionally the, the ancient herbs that we associate with Old England, parsley, sage, rosemary and cress. You've actually got some here. You've actually made, made up a little batch. I do, yes. And I, uh, I won't be throwing that anywhere anytime soon. But uh, yes, you can see there's a, a wonderful rich consistency there. Very rich, very fragrant. It's deeply aromatic. It really is. Just just have a little have a little snort. Oh, that's lovely. It is, isn't it? It's but, a... but as you say in the pamphlet, this wasn't to be eaten. Or no. not not by the people of the village anyway. No. So the, the, the troughs of beefhead cream would be laid out and the villagers themselves would take forth their beefhead ladles, often hand carved, often with humorous carvings of uh, Sir Dunstan Hooves' phallus or the oxtail of Oxtail Sam. And they would take this, they would scoop up the cream, the rich, aromatic cream, and hurl that forth at the beef head man. So the beef, the, the very grain of the beef, the gristle, the old gristle is just being completely soaked, saturated as he, as he trudges forward, his suit of rotten beef just being saturated with this rich, aromatic cream. And it's at that point that Sir Dunstan Hooves takes forth his basket, removes the lid, and flies forth. Starlings, blackbirds, sparrows, birds. It's filled with local birds that have been lured into the basket, and then they're attracted by the cream. Herbie cream is absolute catnip for birds. If we had a parrot 
here now, it would be going absolutely batshit crazy. I've seen pigeons dive into a watering can full of cream and never come out. This cream is then all over the beefhead man and is then attracting the birds? Absolutely, yes. You've got, you've got it in one. The, the aim is then that the birds are drawn to the cream, they're drawn to the beef, they're drawn to the beefhead man. Very much his trial by ordeal here is to undergo the birding. Crucially, if the birds strike out his eyes, he is innocent. He may return to village life. Beefy, creamy, blinded, but reborn. Hang on. So if, if it turns out that the perpetrator hadn't done the crime, the birds have a sort of sense of justice? or a- It was believed in English cultural life that if a bird took your eyes, it was because they knew that they were true, they were honest. So they but they would only take good eyes. So they're not going to eat a, a, a bastard's eye? No. Is there any proof or, or scientific thought about whether birds can tell if someone's innocent? Well... I mean, of course, you can you can prove anything you like with science, but I, I think we all know that birds have a an aptitude, shall we say, a, a natural instinct for justice. They they know they know the difference between right and wrong in a, in a way that say a horse just wouldn't. I was sceptical about Professor Harkham's claims about the ability of birds to judge a human's moral character, so I spoke to an expert. Hello, I'm Clementine Purcell, and I'm a bird scientist at Oxford University. Clementine has studied birds for many years, and is also the only scientist who replied to my email. The basis of Professor Harkham's theory is that the birds themselves have a natural sense of justice, and they can tell when someone's innocent or guilty, and they, they, they can then show us uh, with their pecking. Does that seem plausible to you? No, it makes absolutely no sense at all. Birds are horrible, horrible creatures. They are evil in every way. It makes no sense that they could possibly judge someone else's moral character. They are evil. So you think that they can't tell the difference between someone who's innocent or guilty because they themselves are so immoral? Is that the right word to use? They are evil. If you cut a bird, it bleeds black. Black. Clementine works every day at a lab at Oxford University a large room which contains her desk and equipment, and around the walls, in cages, over a thousand birds. They all hate me. They they all hate you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I walk in and they all start pecking the walls and tapping against the wire of their coops. It's turning into a living hell. Uh, Every day is hell. I'm really trying, but it's really hard when there's a thousand beady eyes staring back at me, waiting for me to fucking die so I can peck my eyes out. Almost all unexplained murders that happen in the UK are birds. And you can prove that? Happily. You show me a corpse, I'll show you the little footmarks of the bird that's been on it. And why do you think the the police pathologists aren't able to see those footmarks when they come to investigate that murder? I don't know, maybe some kind of deal they've got with the birds. Maybe they're scared. And I reckon there's probably some kind of like shifty underground deal they have where like they let the birds have the sort of like lesser members of society and the rest go free, I think, is what happens, actually. Like the police have cut a deal? Yeah, I think there is some shady business going on. Like the mafia, but with birds. The way you're describing birds is that they seem to be dangerous, yes? Yes. 
um, capricious, yes. kind of sneaky. Yeah. But, Vicious. But sometimes... Harsh. Sore, but... Cruel. Relentless. Relentlessly cruel. Sure. Dark souls. Evil creatures. Malicious. Sure. Evil. Yeah. They really... They have it in for you. They've got your number. My question be- I don't. I don't know whether you fully understand. They've pecked your name into the dust of their cell and they're waiting for any opportunity to get you. When you say you, do you mean me specifically? No, I mean me, but you by a subset. We've spoken and now they know who you are. You think I'm in danger because... Oh, yeah, you should be hiding. You should be in hiding now because they're coming. Has this happened to associates of yours in the past? Yes. So many of my ex-boyfriends. I get a little call from the police. Hello, it's happened again. I go round. Michael's dead. And what? where are his eyes? They've 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 done the eye thing. Gone. And they and he's he's dead as well. He's dead, yeah. And that's happened to how many of your ex-boyfriends? Thirty-five. Are there any birds you've come across in your work where you've gone, oh, this one's okay? There was one, a lovely little bird, gorgeous little lorikeet, and I called him Percy, and he was great, and he, and he just looked friendly. There was a, a, a little grain of goodness in him. We were just like best friends. I would see those birds glaring at me, and he'd be like, hey. Well, he wouldn't say he'd be, he's a bird, so he'd be like, hey. He'd be like, hey, leave her alone. He'd like stop the birds from flying at me sometimes. Like I'd come back and he'd have prevented a big murder from happening. But then like one day I came back and um, like I just like opened my lab door and there was just green feathers all across the entrance. And I thought, that's Percy. They've got Percy. To be fair, it was a scab though. So good riddance. So you... You sympathise with the birds for murdering your Yeah, friend? I loved him, but he's a little snitch. Well, Clementine Purcell, thank you so much for coming in to talk to me. And you've given me lots of food for thought. That was very interesting. And uh, I'm sure our listeners will be very... Well, they'll, they'll think differently now when they go out of their house and look up in the sky and they hear the dawn chorus and... Yeah, get back inside and hide. I think before they would have heard this, the Dawn Chorus has always seemed to me, anyway, to be this kind of lovely opening overture for the day. Yeah, you're absolutely wrong. No. The Dawn Chorus is the shriek of a thousand murderers. Clementine was clear that a bird is in no position to judge a human, but in a similar fashion to how I had doubts about what Professor Harkham had told me, I wasn't sure whether to believe her either. After all... What probably didn't come across on the recording was that she was plastered head to toe in bird shit and sunflower seeds. More after this. Here at Mitchell's, innovation is at the heart of what we do. After all, who can forget that we're the first company to turn sand into food? We've introduced a huge new product range this year, and we're pleased to announce that the following items, all of them introduced in 2019, have now sold over 1 million units each worldwide. So, a big round of applause for... Granium Nutritional Sand, Multi-Purpose Hoop, Zero Splash Insemination Goggles, Rodent Be Gone Humane Rat Harpoon, Five Star Synthetic Ass, 
premium leather pig bin, new recipe donkey biscuits, Dr. Sam's Pretty Girl Fetlock Shampoo, and of course, Mitchell's Deluxe Supple Bags Utter Bomb. For 10% off any of these products, simply scream naked into the night, I'm not paying full price. I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. There's always that moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me, and that is so real. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. Alongside his pamphlet, Professor Harkham also commissioned singer-songwriter Paul Paul to create a piece of music, supposedly based on ancient beefhead carols. Here is the resulting track. The beefhead comes this night. Come all good people of this fair town, pray hear my tale of the beefhead brown. As days draw short and darkness blooms, a woeful wretch emerges from the gloom. As winter's hand strengthens its grip, the beef-headed man makes his devilish trip. Here he comes, the beef Sound the horns and bang the drums With his friend Oxdale Sam So Dunstan Hooves is the last of the clan The beef head comes this night Come my friends in fright Beef for a face and beef for a head Beef for arms and beef for legs His sodden soul without a prayer Rugged clothes and matted hair Lit by the moonbeam The townsfolk throw Sound the horns and bang the drums With his friend Oxdale Sam So Dunstan Hooves is the last of the clan The beef head comes this night Come my friends in fright He stumbles through the streets at haste The women stand by with kettle and pan To deliver us from this cursed man Sir Dunstan lets the small birds fly The creatures take his eyes Sound the horns and bang the drums With his 
friend, Oh, still Sam. So Dunstan Woos is the last of the clan. The beefhead comes this night. after our interview, I received an email from James telling me that following the publication of his pamphlet, he had persuaded a woman living in the village of Amberley in Sussex to participate in a traditional beefheading. He asked me if I'd like to observe, and I jumped at the chance. Hello, I'm Sarah Pashley. I'm a full-time stay-at-home mum, and yeah, today I'm, I'm just here submitting myself to beef justice. Basically, I was accused of stealing an onion. My twin daughters go to a lovely primary school and every year we have a, a beef-head lunch, obviously, and I'm usually in charge of making the, the, the broth. And my soup is the best beef-head soup and the other mums have a problem with that. There is one mum who's always had it in for me because of my excellent soup. She basically planted an onion in my pocket and uh, somebody said, hold on a minute, Sarah, why is your pocket sticking out? And there it was, it really seemed like I'd taken the onion from the display of beef-head foods that the children had brought. So, you know, I've been, I've been framed. Hello, my name is Brian Pashley, and I am Sarah's husband. I think she's fallen under the spell of this uh, James Harkham, this historian, uh, who uh, she says that she's met on Facebook. I don't like the guy. I don't trust him. I don't think as a married woman, you should be messaging historians on Facebook. I've got a real problem with that. I'm going to parade through the town and then the birds are hopefully going to descend. Really, really hoping they pick up my eyes because that will prove I'm innocent once and for all. Sarah thinks that birds have a natural sense of justice. I do not. And I'll tell you why. A couple of years ago, we were on holiday in Lanzarote and a hawk ripped off my swimming trunks and flew off with them. And he didn't even want them because he flew out to sea and I could see him in the distance and he just dropped them. Just flung them into the ocean. And where's the justice in that? A man standing on the beach with his cock and balls just flapping around in the hot, hot Lanzarote sun. That's not justice. Not to me. The worst case scenario is uh, is that the birds spare my eyes because that would mean that in their infinite wisdom, I am guilty. And in that case, I'd have to pay a £75 fine. She's asked me to be there at this um, bird trial. I've said no. I just want to say one thing, and I want to say it to James Harkham. Harkham, if you're listening, you, sir, 
are a disgrace. You've ruined my marriage. You've got between two people who loved each other and you've just, you've obliterated it. You should be ashamed of yourself. Shame on you, sir. My wife might be getting her eyes pecked out by birds. You have pecked out my heart. It's 11.58 now. I can see the, uh, the crowds gathered. I see a lot of people I recognize. Uh, they've got some, some flaming to- torches. Um, yeah, no, I obviously, obviously I've had second thoughts a, li- a little bit because, uh, but uh, you know, they, they're quite insistent that I, that, you know, I, the wheels are in motion now. Um, and I completely understand. So um, I've, got, I've got to do it now. I'm going to do it. I've got to do it. I would never tell Sarah this, but honestly, I'm pretty sure she did steal that onion. At midnight, I joined James to watch the procession. So this is Amberley. Yes. The atmosphere, I have to say, is absolutely electric. It really is, isn't it? It's uh, quite a privilege to be here at the first truly authentic beefhead day in over 200 years. I mean, what's amazing is, um, for you, I guess, is that this was originally planned just as a kind of um, a commemoration of, of beefhead days of yore, but actually we've there is someone who's decided they do want to face that, that beefhead justice. Things have escalated in quite a wonderful way, and so a, a very big thank you to our, our beefhead woman. Uh, and, and that is a kind of modern twist, isn't it? Because um, it seems as if back in days of yore, it was mainly men who would be the beefhead man. Yes, um, yes, uh, it was not thought to, traditionally, it was not thought a, a, a seemly uh, form of, of justice for the ladies. Uh, um, it, it, they were considered a little more delicate, and so they were simply burned or drowned. Well, um, I think it's about to begin. Um, if you could just talk us through what's happening, obviously as the, the, the world expert on this. Um, so as we can see at the top of the hill there, at the beginning of the, of the high street, we can see the beefhead woman there. She's all beefed up and she's standing uh, just on the curb there. And I think I'm right in saying that that is Oxtail Sam. Yes, Oxtail Sam, the, the friendly, familiar face uh, of Oxtail Sam there. His, uh, his, his bare chest brightly painted with uh, ancient symbols and uh, dancing uh, a merry dance with his his tail swishing behind him his his hoofs uh, beating uh, on the street as he as he takes the beefhead woman now her, her she won't be able to see in there the oh I, I don't want to interrupt you but is that who I think it is I think we're seeing the first glimpse of Sir yes. Dunstan Hooves. Yes, it is. Sir Dunstan Hooves there really is quite spectacular uh, and fully authentic there. Uh, and uh, yes, and no trousers or, or underwear, no, of course. Uh, no, absolutely swinging free in the wind there. And uh, So he's just, they're taking the beefhead woman there by her arms and they're taking her across. Now she's on the high street, so that means she's now past the, yes, we're, we're, the parish line. We're, we're, we're in the parish and, uh, and, and again, we're just waiting for the... The, uh, the, the sword to fall from uh, Sir Dunstan Hooves, and that will be the signal for the villagers. And there we are. Yes, yes, okay. well, the, and the ladles are up. Yes, the, the, the cream there is flying at quite a rate. I can smell it from here, and that, that's yes. a couple of hundred yards away. It is, I mean, when, when you have cream on this scale, uh, I've got to tell you that it, cream, that aromatic, that smell will be around for, for weeks to come. And you I can see, actually, some of the wild birds, which are up in the trees and up, up there on the church, they're starting to look very interested in that cream. Yes, that's Indeed. right. That, that we, we, we will start to see uh, uh, some of the, the local uh, the local bird life will take an interest. Now, obviously, strictly for the purposes of authentic justice, it's only the birds in the basket um, 
So if we, if we, if we lose an eye to a local pigeon or uh, if a, a hawk comes down from the church tower, uh, unfortunately that will have to be discounted. Um, it's only the birds in the basket that count. But now, they're, what, they're really what, going. At what stage will uh, Sir Dunstan, who's at what stage will he be opening that basket? Um, well, once we hit uh, peak cream, as we move past the midway point, he will loose the wicker basket, and uh, and, and and the birds will decide the fate uh, for the final leg of the journey. Okay, so it looks like he's yep, opening the basket now. Okay. Wow! Whoa! Wow! What a sight! What a sight! That must be a hundred tiny little, mainly sparrows by the looks mainly of things. Sparrows, some blue tits, a couple of dunnocks, and they are setting about the beef. That is, it's and instant. I think, I mean, and I, I correct me if I'm wrong. They're taking her eyes. Um, I mean, it's it's a mass of of wing and. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell in the melee at this point. I mean, they're, they're certainly concentrating on the beef head itself. Um, the cream really seems to have soaked into the gristle there. I've never seen anything like it. I, it, I mean, you read about this in books and, and you can't imagine. It, it's, it's, just, it's just not stopping, is it? It's, but yes, it, it, it seems that there's blood. And there's a lot of blood. That's... Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to look away, actually. Um, I find it she's actually uh, quite beautiful. It's <laughs> she's not transfixing. In a, she's not in a good way, is she? Um, she's I mean, on, obviously, she's I'm on, her, on her knees now. See, if she doesn't make it all the way through the village, uh, again, all this will have been for nothing, which is it's really the job of Oxtail Sam here to, to, to kind of jeer up, to kind of spur her on a little bit. And, and No, I don't... I She's I, not moving at all now. She's just a... It, it's a kind of beef heap. This is um, this has taken a turn, isn't it? Now, I mean, this is, I mean, is she innocent? Is that what have we learned today? Well, we haven't made it to the to the village limit. So, uh, if she's made it through this, uh, there will have to be a retrial next year. Uh, I will be speaking to the parish council. I, th- I think we can do things differently, make a few improvements. Maybe uh, a few less birds and a bit uh, less cream. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean that. I mean the. There's been so much to enjoy here, and I don't think we should let a little thing like this mar the, the overall atmosphere. Um, oh, it looks like as if um, the police have arrived. So I, I assume that's a very interesting point. Hey, J- James! James! I think when I'm walking through the townspeople being ceremoniously pelted uh, and when the birds are swooping towards my face I think I'm going to feel a strong sense that I've got justice that I've got justice on my terms I think it's going to be very satisfying I think every I think every cold beak puncturing my face is going to feel like a handshake of justice from mother nature herself
what I'm really looking forward to when the when the birds are really going for it I'm going to to look at my accuser the woman who framed me Lucinda I'm going to look right at her and and she's going to have to watch my my tears of tears of blood drying on my innocent face and I'll think Lucinda I've won So, that's all we've got time for this month. But if you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to our website now, where you can read all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, where this month we've made a print-out-and-keep guide to the 20 Italian phrases you need to know to survive a Neapolitan prison. So, until next time, per favore, sono de bolle. Thanks to Mike Shepard, Kat Sadler, Catherine Brinkworth, Max Davis, Rodri Viney, and Eugene Kappa. Hey, if you like your podcast to be focused and well-researched, and your podcast host to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Yeah, and what's your deal? <laughs> I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions, and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.